I'd love you to dwell on the following narrative with me. So Jesus arrives in Bethany not long after he had raised Lazarus from the dead. He participates in the very famous scene with Mary where she anoints him with the anointing oil in Bethany. And a large crowd of folks realized that he was there. And it says in John 12, Now a large crowd of Jews found out he was there and they came not only because of Jesus, but so they could see Lazarus also, whom he raised from the dead. So people came, a huge crowd. The next day, the large crowd who had come to the feast when they heard that Jesus now was coming to Jerusalem, took branches, and then the next scene is the triumphal entry of Jesus. So the crowd who was with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead were continuing to testify to this fact. Because of this also, the crowd went to meet him, for they had heard that he had performed this sign. I mean, think about it. I think a crowd would come if somebody did something crazy, like raise somebody from the dead. So most of these folks were Jews. And a very curious little mini story happens after the triumphal entry. At first blush, it seems sort of out of place, but I want to read it for you now. Now some Greeks were among those who had gone up in order to worship at the feast. So these approached Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and began asking him, saying, Sir, we want to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, saying, the hour has come that the Son of Man will be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains by itself alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. The one who loves his life loses it, and the one who hates his life in this world preserves it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Before we focus our prayer, I just want to think through this again with you. So there were some Greeks among the Jews that came 
and their question was it wasn't a question it was a request sir we want to see Jesus okay to me that seems like a very easy question to answer it's either yes or no we're going to let you they asked one of the disciples one of the disciples went and asked Andrew Andrew and Philip went and went to Jesus and asked Jesus and I guess at first blush wouldn't it be Jesus saying no I'm too busy or of course one of those responses right Sir, we want to see Jesus. Now, perhaps the way Jesus answers is what makes Jesus Jesus. He's playing four-dimensional chess, five-dimensional chess, infinite chess. where he's telling them how to see Jesus, actually. Not just then, but forever. As we enter into prayer, let's start with something so simple. Ask ourselves, as those Greeks did, so simply, Sir, We want to see Jesus, God, in the name of Jesus, please reveal yourself and your son to us right now.
as I truly worship and pray to God. Moments of silence and waiting and just simply sitting in front of God with open hands to say, I love you and it's enough that I love you to be in your presence. To me, it's a good place to start there. Again, if you're with me on these prayers, I hope it's okay that we do that together. And if you're uncomfortable doing it, it's good to practice. It's good to practice just loving him. Have you ever sat and looked out at a beautiful scene? It's hard to tear your eyes away. How much more than a mountain scene on top of a mountain or on a lake or an ocean or a sunset or a beach or wherever your favorite places? How much more so? Could we stare at the Father, stare at the Son, stare at the Spirit, and say, God, three in one, you're worthy to spend just two minutes saying I love you. And so we have, we have asked God to reveal himself because we love him. let's take the next step in this passage. It's a very scary jump, to be honest. Let's read it again together and focus our minds and pray through this thing. We ask God, we ask Jesus, sir, we want to see you. We want to see Jesus. And imagine if you were to ask this, you are in their shoes, and Jesus were to respond with these words. The hour has come that the Son of Man will be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains by itself alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. The one who loves his life loses it, and the one who hates his life in this world preserves it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now, if you've been a Christian a while, this language should not be too surprising, right? And for the sake of you and me, 
I'm going to cut to the chase. If you are listening to this podcast right now, if you are praying with me right now, you know very well, it mostly, what this means. Mostly. At least directionally, you know sort of what direction to go when Jesus tells us these things. But I want to ask you in all seriousness, are you willing? Am I willing? I think we overshadow the question of are we willing by saying, well, I don't really know what he means. Thinking about our daily life. I mean, I'm even sitting here with you thinking about my daily life going, well, what is it? What does he mean when he says to follow him and to serve him? And that's how I be where he is. I mean, how do we know day to day, minute to minute, what that actually is? I mean, there's no like set of legal rules. I mean, that's the great rejoicing of grace is that we've eliminated legalism. But it's the heart of the matter, and I think maybe what if we swap the order of these? And did instead of saying, God, well, I don't know what to do, we said, God, yeah, I don't know what to do, but I'm willing. And I think that's the real problem, is that We let ourselves off the hook. So let's not let ourselves off the hook. Let's assume we don't know. Let's assume that minute to minute, hour to hour, tomorrow, you don't know what to do. Because I don't. What does it mean? I'm not sure. But let's ask ourselves the real question. Am I willing? Am I willing to ask, Sir, may I see Jesus? And when Jesus says what he says, am I willing to believe and do whatever he asks? That's what a servant does to a master, to a lord, right? I think so. Can we dwell on the myriad of ways that we get out of saying I'm willing? Let's pray how sorry we are to God. How sorry we are that we're not willing sometimes. And to cry out to him, I am willing. I am willing. 
So Jesus says, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains alone. This is where the rubber meets the road. So many passages talk about dying to yourself. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live, in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. 1 Peter 2.24 He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. 1 Corinthians 15.31 I protest, brothers, by my pride in you which I have in Christ our Lord, I die every day. Philippians 1.21 For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Colossians 3.3 For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And on and on it goes. So many more. But it's all this idea. You know that it's so opposite of what we're being told opposite of what you're telling yourself. Preserve our life. Preserve our identity. Long live the king. And the king is me. We all know it, don't we? Jesus says, in response to a question, we want to see Jesus. He says, die. He says, die. Tonight. In his presence, if we want to see him, we must die to ourselves. We must fall to the ground and break to be broken, to be humble. To say I can't. To say I give up. say, pour your living water on me. I don't know even how to see you. 
Jesus is such a blessed God. He won't even let us try without his help. I want to use this story from Watchman Nee in the normal Christian life as our final meditation together. Just to clear the air, clear the mind, heart, spirit. So this man, Watchman, who I dearly love and respect, says this in his wonderful book, The Normal Christian Life. I was once staying in a place in China with some twenty other brothers. There was inadequate provision for bathing in the home where we stayed, so we went for a daily plunge in the river. On one occasion a brother got a cramp in his leg, and I suddenly saw he was sinking fast. I motioned to another brother who was an expert swimmer to hasten to his rescue. But to my astonishment, he made no move. Growing desperate, I cried out, Don't you see that man is drowning? And the other brothers, about as agitated as I was, shouted vigorously too, but our good swimmer did not move. Calm and collected, he remained just where he was, apparently postponing the unwelcome task. Meanwhile, the voice of the poor drowning brother grew fainter and his efforts feebler. In my heart, I said, I hate that man. Think of letting his brother drown before his very eyes and not going to the rescue. But when the man was actually sinking, with a few swift strokes, the swimmer was at his side and both were soon safely ashore. Nevertheless, when I got an opportunity, I aired my views. I said, I have never seen any Christian who loved his life quite as much as you do, I said. Think of the distress you would have saved that brother if you had considered yourself a little less and him a little more. But the swimmer, I soon discovered, knew his business better than I did. Had I gone earlier, he would have clutched me so fast that both of us would have gone under. A drowning man cannot be saved until he is utterly exhausted and ceases to make the slightest effort to save himself. Friend, dear friend, I am that drowning man. You are that drowning man. We are drowning. I'm not saying we're not Christians. At all. I'm saying that we have to stop flailing around 
we have to stop trying to save ourselves. We have to fall broken and pray to the only good God, the only one, Yahweh our God in the name of Jesus Christ, continue to save me. Swim to me. Gather me in your arms. Because I love you. Because you love me. Because you love me. Thank you.